Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue en America. I'm Suzanne Lassen. I'm Yarina Sension, and this is Bilingual in America. And that is to celebrate the strength, beauty, and joy of being bilingual. When we began this journey last year, we really had no idea how many stories there were that we could tell, how many different perspectives, challenges, and successes. You gave us ideas, and we've had some additional ideas on our own. We took time this summer to relax, recharge, and of course, get some great new content. And we're excited to share that with you. Some inspirational stories, some tough conversations. We're all ready to have those with you. You are listeners who supported us first year out the gate. We're back stronger than ever. And we thank you for that. So if you're listening in for the first time, welcome. And if you have listened before, we're glad to have you join us again. To begin this season, La Cosecha. La Cosecha 2021 will bring together educators, parents, researchers, and practitioners supporting dual language enrichment programs from across the U.S. in a hybrid event featuring both virtual and in-person participation. We're so excited. The conference is taking place November 10th to 13th. And because it's a hybrid event, if you can't get there in person, you can still participate get your learning on. We'll be bringing you great interviews with presenters and the leadership team involved with bringing you La Cosecha. So along with those partnerships, we have new themes. We always said we'll keep telling the stories as long as they're new stories to tell. We have stories about our dual language status as we stand as a country. We'll be talking to you about technology software programs, speaking with authors, educators, researchers, artists, and even elected officials. So to get the season started, right, this is one particular story that we wanted to share. An educator who shares her personal testimony, a story that touches my heart deeply because it drew so many parallels of my own experience. And it helped me to realize that so many people have had similar stories, but the victory that she experiences in her story is just, just beautiful. We recognize the importance of bringing to you these shared experiences, bringing to you a new awareness. And with that, we are proud to be both guardians and champions of bilingual experiences along with you. We know that this episode is so timely because right now, whether we're looking at families coming from Haiti, Afghanistan, or Central and South America, we know the bilingual in America experience is far from over. So thanks for joining us. Buckle your seatbelt because a new season started with Bilingual in America. Adelante.
Laura, it's so wonderful to have you on Bilingual in America. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. If you could just share with me a little bit of your family's migration, like why did your family choose mm -hmm. to migrate to the United States? Sure, so I was born in Nicaragua. My family is from Nicaragua. My father actually worked for the government of Nicaragua and he was the ambassador to the UN. So my father would always travel to the United States. He got his education here. And in the 60s, late 60s, he decided for all of us to move to the United States. So I was four years old when I came here, 1968. <laughs> As a young person, do you remember that experience of leaving home? And did you feel that you were coming to like, I don't know, to Disneyland or, you know, experience? Well, I knew my father traveled. Right, and I don't know if you know this. Um, uh, President Johnson actually went to Nicaragua in 1968, and because my father was the ambassador to the UN, they needed an entourage, and I was part of the entourage that meted President Johnson. So I, I remember the big plane, you know. I remember um, all the men around him, and uh, when President Johnson came in, and I was told to kiss and hug him, which I did. So then once he left, my father says, guess what, we're going to the United States. So I, I had a sense that we were leaving the country, but I didn't know exactly where I was going. Got it. So that's a perfect segue to this question, which is, so then how has your um, bilingual experience been colored in this like world of diplomats and, and government? Right, so my dad continued to work for the UN uh, till the late 80s. So, you know, he would always take us to the UN. Uh, we would always uh, be in meetings. He would hold, hold meetings at home. So we had very influ influential people come to our home uh, because of his background and who he was. So that, that was nice to, you know, meet so many different people. Right. But now you did say that experience, though, maybe didn't exactly give you all the educational support that right. you could have used as a youngster, you know, who spoke Spanish and right. that was in an English dominant world. So when I, when I entered school, I went actually to Blessed Sacrament in Manhattan and I was placed in a first grade class. I didn't go into kindergarten without knowing a word of English. So they didn't know what to do with me, so of course they put me in remedial reading. And remedial reading is for children who already know how to read but are below grade level. So I sat in that classroom for many years not knowing anything. So even though my father was an ambassador to the UN, and he was a lawyer at one point and worked for the United Nations, that didn't help my education at all. There was nothing for me to meet my needs. So that's interesting. So tell me then, is that what fueled you to become English as a new language teacher? Yeah, it was, it was heartbreaking, really, because I would see kids communicating, playing, and, you know, teachers would just put their hands up in the air, like, I don't know what to do with this kid. Um, a lot of the times I was left in the corner, right? And th this was in a parochial school, a very influential school. When I moved on to Maria Regina, as a freshman, you know, they rank you. Out of 269, I was 269. Then I went to Maria Regina. After Maria Regina, I went to Good Counsel. There, we had 159 freshmen, and I was 159. So that affected me in a very negative way because I was the bottom of the barrel. But you know, something inside me knew that I was gonna succeed, and I just kept plugging away, plugging away, little by little, 
learning, learning from others, and having great teachers along the way. All it took was a few great teachers who actually sat with me and taught me. Oh my God. So then you became a great teacher. <laughs> I have to tell you, your story does touch my heart only because I had a similar experience and Sometimes you don't know that other people have had right. a similar experience of, you know, that whole idea of, I don't know what to do with this child. And you seeing the gestures and understanding that right. they're talking about you and that... And that was the reason why I went into teaching, because I didn't want that child to feel as if they were the bottom of the barrel, you know, because I knew what it felt like, you know. So I can connect to second language learners and I can really empathize what they're feeling and I can help them. And I, I love to say this, if I can do it, you can do it. And I literally mean that because I had to work hard, you know, and the fact that I was always five, six grade levels below grade level, you know, it just shows that with perseverance, your willingness to strive, to not give up, it works. At the end, you make it. You know? Yes, yes. So, you know, that's why I went into teaching. That's why, especially, I love that, that population because, you know, they need someone like me who helped me when I was younger. Absolutely. And all it took is, like I said, a few great teachers along the way. I often see um, a phrase, be the teacher you wish you had, yeah. right? And that's what you <laughs> that's are true. to so many youngsters. Yeah. And that's why your craft is so beautiful, right? right. Because it's more than just teaching. Right. It's personal. <laughs> it's personal, absolutely. So, you know, our hashtag is Speak Your Beauty. Oh, and I, nice. I know that you speak your beauty in many, many ways. But if you had to share, like, what's, what's something that maybe people don't realize about you? How do you speak your beauty? I speak by showing, right? Mm. If a child is struggling with something, I say to them, you know what? I'm struggling with some things, too. You know, and even when I'm teaching, like I was teaching fifth grade one year, and we were learning about the uh, explorers, there are some things that I didn't know that I had to teach. I said, guys, I'm learning along with you. So I think that's important to show that you're not perfect and that you're constantly getting better, either as a person, as an educator, as a mother, as a friend. You want to show your children that you're working with that you're not perfect and that you still have a lot to learn. I love that transparency that you have with youngsters, right? Because sometimes we think that we can fake it and we're fooling somebody, <laughs> but really youngsters know even better than, right? right? They, they can yeah. see a faker a mile right. away. They do. Right? So yeah. that's such a beautiful way to, to speak and yeah. show beauty. And can I just share one story? Because I was thinking of one little girl I had. Her name was Fatima. Mm -hmm. She came here from Colombia, not a word of English. Very similar to me, but a little older. I met her when she was in third grade. I had her in third grade. I shared my experiences with her. And she would try as hard as she could to learn. I had her again in fifth grade. Same situation. We would talk about what I experienced. She would talk about what she experienced. Do you know not so long ago she reached out to me? And now she's a high school student? She sent me an email. Dear Ms. Eli, it went something like this. I just want you to know, I want to thank you. Thank you for helping me. And I did it. I'm out of ESL. Aww. So it just goes to show that, you know, when you connect with children and you show them the possibility, 
right. that if I can do it, you can do it. That's exactly what I said to her. And she remembered that. And all through school, even though she was four grade levels behind, three, two, one, she made it. And she just wanted me to know that I helped her and she wanted to thank me. So you don't know exactly who you're going to reach, mm -hmm. but whoever it is you're going to reach, it's going to change their lives. All right, you're so inspiring <laughs> and in so many different ways. Thank but thank you, you for, in particular for sharing Fatima's story because, yeah. you know, when we learn a language, it does take five to seven years. It does take time to marinate in that language. Mm -hmm. and, and she never forgot those impactful words right. and, and your impactful way of showing, you know, that it's possible. Right. You know, that's beautiful. So my last question um, is, if you could define a couple words or one word, what it means to be bilingual to you, mm -hmm. what would that word be? Well, I. That's a, good, that's a good question, actually. And, you know, when, the first thing that I thought of when you said that was the fact that I am bilingual opens up opportunities. Mm -hmm. It opens up opportunities for things that you could only imagine. You know, you can't even imagine it. It's something that people should really think about because the opportunity is there. Yes. So it's up to those individuals to either take the opportunity or not. But I think of it as definitely... Uh, something good. Something good for sure. <laughs> something good for sure. Laura, I love having this conversation with oh, thank you. you. Thank you for Yanina. being so vulnerable and transparent yeah. with me. Sure. I appreciate that. And uh, it's comforting to know that there are others out there who have had similar experiences mm -hmm. and that with perseverance, with heart, with a few good teachers. Right you know, that anything's possible. Today, we heard from Aura Zelaya, and although her story took place many years ago, sadly, similar situations still occur today. We know there is much work that still needs to be done. The silver lining in Aura's story is that while she came here to learn English as a second language, she triumphed and has actually become a champion for students by being a teacher of English as a new language. Yarina and I took time off this summer to rest and relax and recharge. And then we came back to work, ready to start our year with students and staff. And after 32 days of being back in session, we are ready to embrace season two with you, our listeners. Happy listening. We are excited to bring to you amazing content that has everything to do with what we know being bilingual in America means. So until next time, continue to speak your beauty. Thank you for your interest in the stories we share. By sharing, following, and liking our podcast on anchor.fm, Bilingual in America, and our Instagram blog at bilingualinamerica.podcast, you are speaking your beauty. We welcome your comments and feedback, and we appreciate your support. Follow us, like us, share us.